Blog Talk Radio. show so if bad language bodily function dirty talk of any kind might offend you you may not want to stick around but you tuned in for that reason anyway desperate house witches is brought to you by the one the only the incredibly wicked one herself the amazing dorothy morrison please check out www.wickedwitchstudios.com for all of your witching needs there will be an announcement soon for the september and october specials i will deliver them as soon as I get the information. That's www.wickedwitchstudios.com. Okay. I'm so excited. For the hour, I have the amazing LTZ, the incredible Laura Tempest-Zakroff. Hey, how are you doing, Miss Tempest? I am doing very well. I'm very glad to be back. So glad to have you. Okay, so I have to start the show with an apology. Because, hear me out. So, when, okay, so first of all, I love your work. You're in every room. Your artwork is in every room of my house without question. Um, And I adore you, and I adore everything you do. But I have to admit, when I heard Anatomy of a Witch Oracle, I had to look in the mirror and say to myself, do I need another Oracle deck? Do I really, 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 really need one? Let me tell you what. This bitch was so wrong. I needed this deck like air. I'm not even kidding. And I am being 100% honest with you. This is why I know I've been blowing your shit up all week, but I was so wrong. This deck is nothing like the other decks. I'm sorry. No shade to anybody. Uh, No disrespect. No disrespect to your previous works. This is my favorite, favorite thing in the world right now. This is it. Anatomy of a Witch Oracle. I'm telling you, I have been under the weather with various types of illnesses and concerns and emotional things I'm going through. And it's just, the world's just kind of crazy. You know, I watch politics, Mm -hmm. upsetting, all these different things, my job, my health. I have been relying on this deck to, like, guide me and get me through. So I apologize forever doubting that I had to have this because I was so, so wrong. Please forgive me. Uh, You're completely forgiven, but it's also understood because there are a lot of things that are marketed as oracles out there that's like, do I I really need one of these, right? (laughs) Because it's it's like a very large bin of many different things that are not related to each other. But seriously, okay, so I personally... And I don't know if you share, I think you do share this, though. Um, uh, There are certain types of cards that are, and I'm not naming names, and I'm not pointing in any direction specifically. I'm just going to say this. There are certain cards that are marketed as oracle cards that are kind of jingoistic 
and kind of bear into a toxic positivity, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, yep. which I find not helpful. That's a personal opinion. I only speak for me. Um, and I have some of those cards, obviously, because of the business I'm in. Um, mm-hmm. and, and the writer and the folks who create those decks really mean well. Everybody means well. But they don't feed me as a person. Maybe they are for other people. I'm sure they are. Some of these decks are very, very popular. But I need something that gives me more guidance, that, that gives me more of a roadmap. And I will tell you, this is my favorite, favorite thing. Um, I don't know how you keep coming up with new things to be my favorite thing, uh, but you keep <laughs> doing it. So tell me about, now obviously this is related to the book, mm-hmm. I'm assuming. And if you don't have the book, go yes, Anatomy of the Witch. It's, it's fantastic. Um, but tell me about why you created this, because it's such a special deck, and it's so easy to use. And it's, I mean, I specifically ask questions, again, about my health and about work and about certain things. And I've noticed that when I employ the messages I'm getting, the information that I'm getting, and I use it, it fucking comforts me. I mean, it's really great. Well, it it started while I was working on the book, right, the manuscript for Anatomy of a Witch. I was somewhere between the the first and second drafts where, you know, here's this this concept, which is how I've seen, you know, my practice for, you know, over 20 years, but still trying to explain it in a way that other people can grasp it, right? So, um, you know, it's highly symbolic to look at the five systems of, of the body and how do they relate to your practice and all that. And I thought, oh, if there was a, an oracle that tapped into this, it would be an amazing tool to help you design your rituals, your spells, look into your body. Um, and also the other thing that happens when I'm working on any sort of project is my brain goes, hmm, this is fine, but what if we work on something else? Yeah. So I like to you call that the, the procrastination, which means, you know, I often come up with great ideas that are just about avoiding whatever I'm working on. Wow. Boy, is that an admission or what? But here's the thing. <laughs> when you I, – see, I don't think of you as being a procrastinator. I, I continuously cause, – because you're a multimedia person, like, I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of your artwork, uh, for example, a lot of your artwork does not look like other pieces of your artwork. It's very mm-hmm. multifaceted. And, you know, you're also a multimedia person. You're – an artist, you're a writer, you're a dancer. I mean, you do all these different things in different forms of media, so it just makes sense. So I don't Mm -hmm. think of you so much as being a procrastinator as there's just a whole lot of things that can be done, and then you go to the things that should be done. You know what I mean? So that's how we get stuff like this Oracle deck. Just go with what I'm saying. It's okay. Uh, (laughs) Because the book is... Well, I mean, it's true because the book is great and then the deck is great. So, I mean, and every time you do something, I'm kind of like, okay, what's LTZ going to show us now? What phenomenon of of the world and magic uh, is she going to come up with this time? And, boy, you don't ever fail, ever. It's amazing (laughs) to me how how you roll out with some crazy, wonderful stuff. 
Oh, thank you. I'm now like, oh, shoot. <laughs> i got to make sure the next idea is great for Rena. <laughs> it will be. No, see, but that that's not to apply pressure. It's, it's the fact that these creations seem to come from you from such a place inside you that, I don't know, do you ever feel like, you know, you're channeling and, Spirit is just like in there taking over, or are you, do you get it through messages? How do these how did these inspirations happen to you? I think part of it is I have often an, an unusual way of looking at the world. Like I always ran into the issue in school, even though I did very well in school, um, I'd always find kind of the most backwards way. <laughs> Of, of getting to the point, um, you know, mathematically, artistically. It's like, it's how my brain works. So, like, why would people like, well, you just do this and that. I'm like, but you should do this and then turn left and then six shades over here and then, you know, five steps over. And then you get to that point, um, which, you know, can take a little bit more time, but it often gives me a different perspective uh, in in really processing and seeing. And I, you know, I do think there is some aspects of spirit involved, whether it's part of my own higher divine self, or is it yeah. the, you know, as I talk, I talk about in anatomy, um, actually I talk about even more in, in the forthcoming visual alchemy, that, you know, I look at ideas in the world as somewhat sentient. So, you know, what I call it, the slutty muses, when, you know, a good idea shows up in multiple places all at once, it's not that people necessarily copied each other, especially if they have nothing to do with each other, not in the same networks, anything. It's that certain ideas want to come into the world. You know, it's like the, the zeitgeist of the moment. And tapping right. into that, you know, it's, it's sort of listening to the universe. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, because like two years ago, everything was about shadow work. Like everything. It's not yep. like. Yeah, Alexa, that's, that's... yeah, my AI decided to act up in the middle of all of this. It's like, no, 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 no. We're not talking to you right now. Oh, Amazon, <laughs> you are this. But seriously, the the fact that you came up, that you continuously come up with, and it, it probably is because of your approach to things, that you don't have a very, what's the right word? Um, your stuff is unusual but in the best sense of unusual, so ever. Because this is not a deck that will be coming and going. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, that definitely makes sense. It's just, um, you know, I think when you've got a bit of a different background and experience, you know, and you might have read different books or looked at different experiences than what people consider the standard way of approaching witchcraft, magic, paganism, etc., it's probably going to yield a result that's that's different and that stands out. Um, so it's definitely not me like, oh, I have to, you know, create something new and different. It's just like, well, this this is just how it is for me. This is every day. <laughs> this is life. Which is so amazing. I mean, I am so in awe of people who write and create because that is just not me. Um, and I, I just think it's fascinating to see someone – who's able to write books and teach. And, and I mean, Sigil Witchery is still one of my most favorite, favorite books. But you mm-hmm. keep coming up with these <laughs> new things for me to fall in love with. And I don't know, maybe it's because it is so out of the box 
as far as what we come to expect from certain things kind of really blew my doors off. And I've, you know, during some various recent illnesses, I've been relying on this. I mean, first of all, per your recommendation, I do sleep with the deck. Um, I usually do more than the three days. I, as a matter of fact, it's, I won't tell you how long. It's like in a relationship and I should buy the sandbox or ring right now. But it, it's just one of those things. It, it, it's there for me. It's fast when it needs to be fast. It's more descriptive when it needs to be more descriptive. I'm just really appreciative of how it's done. I mean, it's really, really beautiful. These cards are full. I mean, they're all little works of LTV art. So, I mean, and we know that's always fantastic. But, yeah, I, I just, I, I don't know. I'm just madly in love with it, and I think it's fantastic. You came up with this concept during the book. And then you decided to release this wonderfulness in, in card form. I just think that's brilliant. And I hope you will continue to do more Oracle decks. Is, is that a plan for you? Uh, well, right now, the major project that I'm, I'm slowly, uh, slowly sinking my feet into is a tarot deck. Um, and it's it's been shifting concepts a bit, but I think I finally nailed the concept that I want for this deck. Uh, and it's possible, you know, it. You never know when when the ideas are going to hit. So you know, kind of yeah. been sitting here going, all right, you know, this this past couple of years have been well, obviously, <laughs> unto themselves rather crazy. Uh, but yeah, you know, it kind of worked out that. You know, from writing Anatomy of a Wiz and working on the Oracle, but also getting Visual Alchemy done. And then there's another secret book project that I've been working on, um, you know, and it's like, oh, okay. You know, all all these different things going on, and I have more ideas, but at the same time, my brain's like, you know, you, you could just sit. You could just sit for a while. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm also trying that, but then I know that, um, future me is going to be like, why? Why did you sit? We need to be on top of this. <laughs> so, well, I mean, are one. you ever? Are you ever afraid that if you don't, when the thought occurs, that you might lose the thread, or it might become less interesting to you? I think you know, there was a certain point where I was very much concerned about getting certain ideas out into the world as soon as possible. Let Partly because in the dance world, right there, there's such a um, issue with at least back in the day when I was really active with it was the issue of copycats and you know people jumping on bandwagons and stuff. So like to to get out there to get an idea out there before somebody else did and then copied it or you know some variations like that's like oh we got to do it now right and it's a very body oriented thing so it's very much right you have to do this you have to do it now you have to do it with your body. Where I've yeah. relaxed in the last few years when it comes to books and projects is it, it'll get done and it's going to get out there when it needs to get out there, um, and that's yeah. that's how it's going to be, you know. And I think that's a much healthier way of looking at the world and looking at creativity. You know, not that I've ever you know haven't rushed any of the the book projects or deck projects that I've worked on. Um, but I probably in the past have rushed dance things that I should have just settled into more and kind of enjoyed and explored it. 
And the great thing about you know these books and decks is that I'm often continuing to do that as I'm teaching workshops and meeting people and talking about it and getting the feedback and it's just that the community experience of having books and decks out there is an amazing thing. Um, you know, especially especially when it's your only positive or helpful critique, uh, that kind of stuff. Well, I I can see that for sure. But as far as dance goes, and you're you're an amazing dancer. I I've been lucky enough to see you in in film or video rather, um, and and you're so amazingly creative. And you know, uh, I loved the 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 witch the witch exercising you had been doing during when the pandemic really was kicking off, and it was. Oh, just moving was wonderful, and watching you was wonderful. Mm -hmm. But now that you have things like a YouTube channel, if you have an inspiration for a dance, you can just, boom, put it out there, and and it's there, and it's you. Does that give you any comfort as far as creativity from a dance perspective? Yes, because I don't really have to worry about, oh, it's got to be revealed at this this festival or this event and, you know, and, and how they're all going to be taken. Um, you know, so the only thing that I've, I've run up against, you know, and it's been kind of the thing for maybe, maybe the last six months or so is, you know, the space, make sure the space is set up. And then, you know, I, I will put makeup on. So that's, a, <laughs> you know, proper makeup and costuming, um, you know, make sure the lighting's all good. So, I mean, those are elements you'd have to take care of either way. Um, but it is nice to kind of be immediate and think, okay, well, you know, this song is hitting me. Maybe I'll I'll do something. And I just rearranged um, the ritual room, which is where I film most of the ritual workouts. Um, so I'm hoping now that the space has been revitalized and, you know, sorted out and uh, more usable again, because we've had several things that had to get sorted out in there, um, I might be able to do more videos. But I'm also not going to try to stick to a schedule. <laughs> Well, a schedule is super hard, especially when you have, I mean, it's not like you're only doing one thing. I could see being hung up on a schedule if dance was what you were offering and teaching and that was it. But you have so many other irons in the fire, so to speak, that it would be, Mm -hmm. I imagine, very difficult to stick to a schedule. You know, especially when you're doing live appearances and, you know, now that things have opened up more, you know, I was lucky enough to see you again over at Mystic South, which was a blast. That was mm-hmm. the last time I wore makeup, by the way, because I haven't needed to. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see anybody. I don't go anywhere. I don't give a shit. Um, so, yeah, I mean, my plain ass face has been, and maybe that's why my skin is so good now, because I never wear makeup, but. Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. hilarious. That was the first outing I had had in years, like literal years since the pandemic started. So, but you've done other things, and and you have other things coming up, don't you, like in person? Yes. Uh, I I feel like I've just finished a a crazy run. I've been trying to only schedule like one big thing a month, um, you know, just so that I'm not running myself ragged. And I do have time to be creative. Uh, so I just finished this last weekend with Temple Fest, um, which was a single-day event up in New Hampshire, uh, which, was, which was lovely. I mean, it wasn't too far away. It's a great group of people. I just had a keynote and vending, and, you know, it was great. Um, 
but uh, I've got like, I feel like um, it's not to say this too out loud to the universe. I'm like, I've got two weeks somewhat off before my next event, which will be the Witches Night Out Market. We have we have two more of yeah. those this year, um, and then I'm going on tour, a little short tour, um, from like September 21st to October 1st or so where we're going to hit some of the, the stores and places in, you know, New York and Ohio and Pennsylvania and get out to the Buckland Museum because the artwork for the Oracle, the Anatomy of a Witch Oracle, I'm um, exhibiting all 48 pieces at the Buckland Museum of Witchcraft, and that opens up, I think, September 24th. So I'm bringing the art physically there uh, via, via caravan. Uh, so that's wow. kind of the thing. Yep. So it's a lot of matting and framing. <laughs> That's fantastic. I mean, yes, I can imagine it's a lot of matting and framing because it's, you know, a standard Oracle deck for you. It's pretty big. Um, but is that something that you had offered to, did they ask you to bring the exhibit? Is that how that works? Uh, I think so. A while back, um, I think the last story I did, I stopped at the Buckland Museum was maybe 2019, like before the world shut down. Uh, and right. uh, Stephen had asked me, he's like, you know, if you have a body of work at some point in the future, uh, would you be interested in showing it? And I'm like, well, I have an idea, um, you know, that, that you know, at some point. And then once I created the Oracle deck, I hit him up. I'm like, so here's that body of work yeah. you were interested in. Um, so just keeping it, the only hard thing was keeping it intact, um, because, you know, I started creating this deck, um, I guess it was 2021, 2020 to 2021, uh, and, you know, obviously it just came out in, in August of the official release date, but this, this whole project was wrapped up by the end of 2021, uh, so I don't normally sit on art. I usually, you know, disperse it into the world uh, because I, I have limited yeah. space and people get excited. But uh, so I help. But these these are all watercolors. So uh, that means they're on little sheets of uh, watercolor paper. So the stack is only a couple oh. inches tall by you know eight inches wide. Uh, so not so hard to store as as it is unframed. Um, so that's how that's kind of come to being. So, yeah. Well, I know you. I know you like wood as a medium, and I think that would have been really difficult to house. Yes. Well, the the um, the liminal spirits oracle. Those are all on birch panels. They were uncradled, so they are only about a quarter of an inch uh, deep by five by seven, I think. And those were all exhibited at Mortlake and Company in Seattle. Um, I can't remember if it was before. I think it was before the release. I think I finished the art, and that was also the year we were moving. That was 2019, the beginning. So I was like, let's do a big art show, big solo exhibition, right before I leave. You know, Seattle moved to the uh, East Coast, and um, and as I said, you don't usually hold on to the art. So those pieces were done at the end of March, and April was the show, and then most of them sold in that show. So <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't wow. having to move those pieces. You don't leave a lot of space around things, do you? <laughs> you like to kind of cram life all together in one big batch of releases and moving and doing and create. I mean, you're, I, listen, my hat's off to you. I'm lucky I can roll out of bed and brush my teeth and hair, honey. 
You're, you blow me away. It's incredible. Your art is amazing. I love the way you do pretty much everything. Um, and I'm, I know a lot of people say that to you. And and it's got to be, and I apologize if it seems over the top and trying and it's like, okay, it's enough already. But does it does it make you uncomfortable? Like when Because well, I've seen people do it nine I mean, like every other day, where people just praise upon you. Does that get tiresome after a while? Uh, it's awkward because I don't tend to take praise well. Um, just I don't know, it's a brain thing. Uh, but yeah. I, at the same time, I to reprogram that response to be like, well, this is this person's experience of the art, which is valid and. You know, I you know the best thing is always to be like I thank you and I, I appreciate it and I'm also really glad to hear that my artwork resonates with other people. Um, so it's important to separate you know my my head monkeys from uh, what other people are experiencing because I do um, I do enjoy it. I do, it does feel really good to know that the artwork um, inspires and influences other people. So. Uh, yeah, but you know, I'll turn a few shades of pink and be like, "Oh gosh, shucks." Well, that's cool. I mean, now I, I and I understand that, and and I know sometimes it can be like, "All right, I know you love it. Okay, good, thanks." And and I know it's a it's a personal shyness, not wanting to be, you know, it's like I'm I'm glad you love this, but it's a it's a responsibility to to do more. Or I don't know what, you know, as far as an artist goes, I don't know what that is. I mean, even in the most simple, simple regards, um, your Marie Laveau sits right here in, in my studio so I can say good morning. Um, your your um, one of the, the pieces you did, the house on legs, not the Baba Yaga, I'm sorry, not that, it's the witch's hat. The witch's hat is in my kitchen. And it's one of my husband's favorite things to do because he works from home. And he, like, looks up at it every morning when he sits down to start work. And it gives him this, I don't know, this communal, happy, enveloped feeling of community and love and peace and, you know, just how groovy it is. And, you know, you've, I, again, you've got a piece in every part of the house and it's like, but they don't all look <laughs> like each other either. So it's kind of like it hits different points for members of my family every single day, which I think mm -hmm. is kind of amazing. Cause I've got, I mean, I've got shit tons of artwork and not all of them. I mean, when you first fall in love with something visually, it could be because of the moment. It could be because of where you are or, just the, the, the mind frame you're in at the moment. And then six, seven months later, it's like, uh-huh, and you don't even notice it anymore. You've got the kind of artwork that doesn't do that. Like, it keeps being something noticeable and vibrant in the house, in all the different places and aspects. So I, I just wanted to applaud your uniqueness, just even creativity. Creatively, I don't know what I'm going for. Creatively, I just wanted to express that we really appreciate the value and the intrinsic quality 
of it in our space. Well, thank you. I, like I said, I, I do appreciate that. And it's, it's great to know that the art continues to have its own vibrancy and, and spirit. Uh, you know, it's like you send it off into the world and you kind of wonder, like, um, you know, like, what is the life of artwork after it leaves? You know, whether it's an original right. or a print or anything else like that. And it, it inevitably, you know, the kind of funny thing is, like, in the various spots, like, occasionally, like, once or twice a year, get tagged, like, I found this at the Goodwill. I'm like, well, that's, that's kind of neat that my art has gone through a cycle somewhere where, you know, for whatever reason, it shows up. Wow. Know, frame, though. Like, somebody took time, you know, and it, it could be any variety of things, especially the last couple of years, um, especially in the Seattle area where people were losing housing, like, you know, like there's no tomorrow and had to meet, move and downsize, um, you know, and there's things that happen. It's like us as witchy people, what happens if we pass away and like our, our more mundane friends and family have to be like, well, what is this? What do we do with this? You know? Oh, no. I, so. And it's interesting that you say that, especially to me, especially now, because as a person in my 60s, I do think about that, and, you know, I similarly had a conversation um, with Steve about, you guys want my books when I die, because I've got mm-hmm. obviously tons and tons and tons of them, and, you know, it's it's still under discussion, but I'm willing my books to the Buckland News so that they can, you know, share them with their visitors. And, yeah, I mean, fortunately, I have a witchy enough family that my kids will, you know, obviously my crystals will have a home. My knives will have a home. My altar will have a home. So I'm lucky in that regard. Um, But I do, you know, I do wonder about, like, my next-door neighbor was 76 years old and just passed away the other day, and her family just showed up today, and it's been just this combination of tears and laughter and tears and more laughter because she was such a great person. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're just, they're having to do this difficult deciding of, you know, well, who in the family gets what? Because she had three sisters and a brother and nieces and nephews and all these people. So it, it's something to think about. I guess it's something to think about like you would think about anything having to do with a will or what you want done in the end. And I think as... Mm-hmm who are not Judeo-Christian desires known, you really raise a good point in, in that regard. I, I think it is something that probably we should all kind of think about as the end gets closer for some of us, not so close for others, but you know what I mean. It's good to have a plan right. it's, of who you Yeah, it, it, I'm sorry. It's, it's just like of having that in, you know, just so that, Somebody knows what what happens, you know, even whether we plan it out or something unexpected happens, uh, you know, we've taken a morbid turn. But it's really, it is important, especially if you've got things that are, um, you know, people who've got things that are part of lineages and traditions that were, you know, founded like part of the history here. It's like reach out to the the Buckland Museum and the um the New Alexandrian Library and all of these places kind of see what the options are. Like we don't like to think about that, but if you don't have somebody needed to pass those things on to, um, but you want them taken care of, I mean these are these are important things, and we just tend to think, okay, well, I mean we want to make sure the cats are taken care of, but 
you know, the other yeah. thing too. It's it's kind of a good yeah. responsibility. It's also the care of the you know, in, in, if we're going to say we're also animists and pantheists, like these are things that are the spirits and the energies that we work with, right? So they're parts of us, and how do we distribute those parts of us into the world after we're gone? Oh, absolutely, an excellent point. And I, I mean, I know it might seem like a morbid topic, but I think as as people who are not Judeo-Christian, we need to talk about these things. Because yes. I don't think a lot of us want to think of it, so we avoid it. And I, I very rarely hear our folks discuss these kinds of things. And, and I really think, you know, we're in an age now where we have probably all collect. If you're of a certain age, pretty much of any age, to be honest with you, you know you've got tons of books that you've already read twice at least. You know you've got a crystal mm-hmm. assortment that would sink a ship. You know you've got all the things. Where do you want all the things to go? And it may not be fair to just not care about it if you set up some kind of a plan uh, for where you want things to go. I will tell you, watching what my friends next door are going through right now, it is so much kinder to give people some sort of a roadmap of what you want so that they don't have to feel the burden of wanting to hold on to a piece of you but knowing they can't take all the things and, and saving them from having to make certain hard choices, I just think it's a kinder thing if we can, like, let folks know what we want before we get to that kind of stage, whether right. through illness or illness. Absolutely. But going back to something you had said earlier about, you know, wanting to get things out, in a timely fashion so they don't get copied or somebody else doesn't pick up on that. Have you experienced any of that with your writing? I know there are copycat accounts for a lot of people. Are you going through this as well? Uh, I've had issues with Instagram, um, you know, people trying to, uh, you know, make knockoff accounts and such um, in that kind of way. And they usually vanish pretty fast because, you know, I report them and other people report them and then they change their name and they move on. Um, In terms of content and art, uh, you know, it's quite likely, you know, there's such a thing with all the AI um, books right now where, you know, it's basically just pulling stuff from PDFs that are online and and regurgitating them into books. I know like Matt Orange has had, um, and actually also Chris and Tara, um, had the same issue too. I'm like, I, I don't have time to go track all that stuff down, but I'm sure it's happening. But it's more, yeah. you know, it's kind of um, kind of an odd thing is like, you know, especially knowing that my take on things is rather unique is where people use the method um, or quotes from the book and then they're like, this is my material. I'm like, no, probably not. It's okay to quote where things come from. I think it's actually more than okay. It's what we should do. Uh, you know, which is yeah. I've always done that, whether it's it's art or witchcraft or dance, to be like, this is where I got this idea from, um, because it just shows the connectivity of everything. So, you know, I see that occasionally, but it's like, what are you going to do about it? Because, you know, people who can't create things for themselves and have to do that because they're afraid for whatever reason, they, they don't tend to stick around very long. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's really unfortunate to watch folks 
get ripped off and, and know that there are people falling into these things. You know, and I've said repeatedly, I'm very lucky because I don't sell anything. So, I mean, if you want to create a knockoff account, good luck to you. You ain't going to make no money. <laughs> so there's really no reason. But it just it disturbs me because I know that artists and, and authors are getting hurt by some of these folks, especially when you know, you've got like five or six of these people doing knockoffs and, and folks are not checking. So I, you know, and I'm sure you do too, urge people to verify sources before they buy something or engage in a reading or any of the things that we do online, uh, that they would definitely send a direct message and, and make sure that they are contacting the right person, the person that they're intending to contact. And please don't buy right. this off material. Right. You are just really stealing from, from the artist. And, you know, back in the days, back in the old days, when we only had like a dozen writers of the craft <laughs> in the mm -hmm. 70s, uh, the late 60s, early 70s, you know, we always wanted to have a space where it was like, Oh, lots of ideas and lots of writers and lots of access and lots of people. Fortunately, the wages of that are rip-offs, duplications, people scamming, and it sucks. So really, we didn't work this hard to get to where we are, we as in the collective we, because I'll do shit to talk, um, to get to a point where we could appreciate and have all of these varied writers and all of this art and all of these fantastic decks and Use discernment about decks, too, I'm telling you, because I have gotten some decks in my life that have been like, oh, honey, no, 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 I know you mean well, but this ain't going to work out for me. No, 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 because <laughs> that's just Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, decks are hard. It, it, I can't imagine trying, and you're doing a tarot deck? I mean, I'm sorry. It, that's got to be one of the hardest things to tackle. I know you can't talk a lot about it, but, I'm, you know, when you have another concept thing that has been done nine million fucking times, <laughs> it's got to be really hard to come up with inspiration to make this your, well, not for you because of your art, but, I mean, for most people who do it, do you find that when you look out into the world, a lot of the decks are really just variations on each other? Well, you, you've got this, you know, the major systems, right? So you Rider Waite Smith yeah. or the the Marseille um, and, you know, a few other, uh, the Toff deck, et cetera, right? So most tarot decks are going to be based off of those systems. And, I think it really splits into besides those systems is people who are honoring that system and bringing their art to it and people who are like, oh, I'll make a tarot deck and I'll just put some art with it and that'll be fine, right? Like, so to me, what's really integral to crafting a tarot deck is respecting the system because I am, you know, I've been reading the tarot since, ugh, since I was 18. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> And so it has been, it's been an important thing. And I have come up with a lot of different ideas over the years of different decks. I've done uh, a major arcana deck back in college that was all the Lady of Shalott. So it was taking 
uh, parts mm-hmm. of the poem from Tennyson and creating artwork, and it was all on um, it was all on one big plate, an etching plate that I you know cut and handed and stamped the back and all that kind of stuff. But it was just the major arcana, and it's you know it's kind of I have to say easy, but it is easy sort of to delve into and to be um, seduced by the major arcana and then leave the minor arcana wanting. Um, so yeah. for me, it's important that both are equally developed and addressed and have, you know, because the minor kind of is all the details. Like it's great yeah. to have all the big pictures that are fancy, but you got to get that information in there. And, and to me, it needs to be more than, well, the six of wands is obviously six wands, you know, or, you know, right. seven coins. On a, like it has to be more than that to tell the story. Uh, so that's kind of why I've been, you know, been thinking about the whole deck, but I need to know that I was going to be in it for the long haul um, and deeply inspired all the way through because I didn't want to like get to like eh, whatever whatever <laughs> the minor kind of right. like this. So this for anybody who's serious about it would be a major undertaking because as you said it's really in the details of the minors and if you look at a lot of popular decks. Um, they are kind of wanting, you know, it's great to make a big old splashy major arcana, you know, it's great to have a really stellar death card, but if you can't give me an ace of pentacles worth of shit, it ain't happening, (laughs) you know what I mean? Right. So, and I know this must be taking, I mean, how many years have you wanted to do this? What what was the beginning of this inception? Uh, well, I knew somewhere around last year as I was wrapping things up, I was like, okay, I think, I think, you know, well, back it up a bit. I I have two to three major ideas right now. And kind of talking with, you know, Alicia, who's my, my main editor. Um, I mean, like, you know, what, 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 which one, which one should I go? What, you know, she can't tell me <laughs> which way I should go. Uh, but kind of talking it out always sort of works out. And in concept, it's sort of like, I think it's the throw. The throw needs to come next. Um, and so, you know, it started. I've got all this concept laid out. I have all the um, the names and how the deck, you know, is supposed to look. But I still wasn't moving ahead. This is where I was talking earlier about um, procrastination, <laughs> you know, where I, make, uh-huh. where I make other things. Because the, you know, the two, actually, I've done three paintings this year that have nothing to do with the deck. Uh, which is, you know, but they've been very popular, right? The Spirit Flight, the Myth Maker, and the Morrigan. And those were like, oh, I can sit down and make the art because, you know, to get the project going, you need to make a few sample pieces. Um, So like, meanwhile, I'm going to, you know, turn my attention to this other idea I've had for months (laughs) and spend all the time painting that. Uh, So it's this weird, you know, kind of getting ready. But this idea that I've worked out um, kind of started almost as a joke, which is a fantastic place to start for me. Oh, yeah. And as I realized that, like, nobody else has tackled this idea. Um, And then I have a cohort who I was, you know, also like, but this is a joke. It's like, that's a great idea. We (laughs) went in. Like, all right. So it's. You know, I think if you can also laugh at it and have a little bit of fun, um, that also keeps the enthusiasm going. And, like, it's obviously going to be a very serious deck. And, you know, all, all of my decks have a very serious side to them, but they also have a very playful side. Uh, so 
I think I found that 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 special balance with this this concept here. You know, I find that the accidental masterpiece is something that people don't really pay attention to in its concept, but they pay attention to it in its reality. I find that a lot mm-hmm. of fantastic works start off as, you know, two people having a beer and a laugh, and what if, what if we did this? Wouldn't that be hilarious? Um, right. So, yeah, I, I think it's brilliant, uh, you know, because sometimes, I don't know, I think when you're always serious and it's always professorial and, and over the top, not you, but I'm saying the general, you in general, Right. Um, it's just, you know, it's browbeating and it's tiresome. And I've seen writers go through and creators go through this period of time where it's like everything fucking stops because you have your brain so full of a thing that you're almost immobilized by it. And to mm-hmm. see that, seeing things that start with a joke and, you know, well, since we're being playful with it, we can go here with it and there with it and do this and that concept. And I think that's brilliant. Um, I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to have it um, because I know I'm going to love it because I'm going to love the art because I love your art. There you go. Um, and I know you can't talk about it, and I'm not going to ask you to talk about it anymore because I am respecting, I'm respecting the privacy and secrety. Got to keep it a some, secret. I know, I know. No, I know. I'm just really excited <laughs> about it. Do you have a target date for it or target year for it? Um, this with this deck, I'm hoping to do kind of a twofold, which would be a, um, a special boutique printing, um, and then mm. to do a standard printing. So. The goal would be that at least the boutique printing would be 2023 and the standard release in 2024. I hope. It takes, again, it takes a while for you know these things to to come out. Um, though the boutique would be more like a Kickstarter type thing uh, because the, cool. the those have been you know I've been I've been doing my research on those sort types of things. And I, I like the idea of doing a limited edition of 500 to 1,000 that has the, the pretty embossments and the stamping and the really nice cardstock and the really cool box and, you know, that kind of stuff in there, too. And, I, you know, obviously my first night Oracle decks have gone the, the, the standard edition route um, because, you know, having Llewellyn distribute these things is a far, much farther greater reach than I can do. Um, so that means that they they don't they don't get the fancy stuff. Um, I mean the boxes are great and the card stock is good and, and all that stuff. But at, sure. at the same time the the, the paper the, the 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 paper lover um, the printmaker in me is like I would really like some glitter. <laughs> I would really like some. <laughs> uh, I would like some shiny things. You know maybe that cool black iridescence. You know something like that. Um, so we shall see. Hopefully. Um, if I, if I can get things moving, um, we will. Uh, where are we? We're in August. <laughs> <laughs> well, Maybe the next you, month, leader, if I can get it for for spring. Uh, yeah. You know, it's just a matter of how it goes. Because the um, the oracle decks, you know, I might have mentioned this before, but the each of the oracle decks, the main body of art. I go on a marathon, so the liminal spirits, it was two weeks straight that I worked on those paintings. 
so I was, yeah, it it was insane. It was not necessarily a healthy thing, but when you're working with the spirits like that, I mean, each of those, the liminal spirits is contacting and working with and channeling that particular spirit to do the spirit for the card. Um, Yeah, I'm not really doing that with the anatomy um, deck. So that was more about a month, you know, it was more of like sitting with the process, but it was still, it needed to be the only thing I was working on. So that's the other condition with something like this. It needs to be my only focus. Which is interesting for somebody who's multi-focused and has different (laughs) irons in the pot at all times. I mean, I don't know how you organize your brain to even get it accomplished. Because I think the problem with a lot of folks is we all have great ideas. Execution is a disaster. (laughs) I I have amazing ideas. I can't get shit done. (laughs) I need an organizer. I need somebody to come in, knock into my brain, and say, okay, this first, that second. I mean... Because it all comes as a rush sometimes, doesn't it? Like all these different things at once, and then you have to pick and choose what you're going to tackle first. Right. I have, I've got a, I got a list. I have a whiteboard on my desk that has the things I would like to work on, <laughs> the right. things I would, I have to work on. Uh, you know, and, okay. and sometimes those the likes versus the have tos, the likes actually do inform the have tos. So. Um, it's just a matter of settling into the brain and being like, stop being anxious about getting this thing done. Yeah, I, I, I would imagine that being an artist and being a writer can be overwhelming in the deadline form. I mean, do you get to set your own deadlines now? Uh, pretty much. When, it, when it's traditional publishing, you know, I we sort of work out when when do I deliver the first, you know, first part of the manuscript and, um, you know, and from there that sets them everything else into motion. And, you know, that's, I think that's important, you know, except for the, the secret project I worked on, that was more, here are the dates, can you do this? Um, because it involved other people. So that yeah. was a little stressful, but it, was, it wasn't it was a big, big hard thing to do. So that was good. Uh, but everything else, you know, it's, I think, People don't quite understand first how long it takes to publish something, but also you know, they tend to have really negative views about how uh, you know different publishers are, and some of them are um, not great to work with. But I've always had a fantastic experience working with my editors at Llewellyn, um, and it's like, okay, well, this is going on. Can we push this back a month? Or I, I got it done early. Where's this going to set this? You know, and they have their catalogs. Like, there's a whole thing. Like, if I deliver something late and it doesn't make the catalog, that affects the catalog as well, you know. So there is just so much, there's so many different um, screws <laughs> in the machinery. No, I mean, I understand. When you have other people relying on it, you, you know, there's a certain commitment that you have to make time-wise. And, see, that terrifies me because, again, I'm not a creative person like that. So, it really, that, the whole idea of a timeline to be creative, the shit out of me. At work, I hit time, I couldn't hit a deadline with no problem because it's a, mm-hmm. it's a rote thing. It's something I've done 9,000 times and I will do it 9,000 more. And I love what I do, so I'm lucky. But the idea that I have to come up with something and be creative 
and know that people are going to like it and buy it. That just scares the living shit out of me. So I applaud you. Because I focus too I, much on that part. He <laughs> was like, well, people like it. I don't know. I hope they do. Uh, so you know, there's a part where you just kind of have to let go and, and hope. And, you know, yeah. and it is. It's like with each book, with each project, you just never know. Is it, are people going to like it? And it's it's definitely definitely a great feeling when, you know, people are like, I can use this and it's great. It's already changing my path and my practice. And so that definitely um, energizes the spirit. Well, that's great. I, I'm, I'm so glad that that happens. Because I hear a lot of writers complain about being, at, you know, having a, a writer's block. And that must be a terrifying feeling for folks. I couldn't imagine having to go through it. But I don't know. I You turn out gold. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I'm glad you don't suffer from these things. I mean, and if you do, we don't know about it. Okay. Um, but <laughs> I just... I just think you're amazing. I've always thought you're amazing. You keep proving that you're amazing, so that's kind of cool. Uh, it means I'm right all the time, uh, which is nice. Um, but And I really, you know, <laughs> you've got visual alchemy coming up, uh, which is Guide to Sigils, Art, and Magic, and I'm, like, super excited about that. But we've got, like, seven minutes left, and that's really not enough time to talk about that book. So. I'm kind of hoping I can wrangle you back on at some point this year again to talk about that when it's released, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, we, we, we can figure something out. Yeah, we, we can cool. do that. Awesome. Further on, my brain will be more into that anyway. <laughs> Just like, where, there you go. Where I mean, I'm really excited about it um, because I like things that, that show me uh, what it's for and what it means, and it's like, is this going to be like a reference guide? It has reference uh, to it. Like, it has 50 of the shared magic, over 50 of the shared magic sigils, uh, because mm-hmm. while they live on my Papios blog, it's kind of handy to have them all in one place and to look them up um, and also oh, yeah. use them as a guide for your own creation. It's really about letting go of fear and seeing how much art is already present in your life and how you can tap into that for ritual and for spellcraft uh, in so many different ways and how you can also use it to collaborate with other people magically. Uh, so it's, it's refining a lot of the sigil witchery techniques, like, okay, if you've got the method down, these are some more techniques you can think about that are going to help you create sigils even more successfully or more consciously. Um, but it's also so much about taking art out of this elite place and put it into an acceptable place. <laughs> I'm totally into it. I can't wait. That's so exciting. And it's coming out in October, yes? Uh, October 8th, yes. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Sooner than later. That's awesome. So before you go, because we are, time is marching on. Please let know how they can buy the things and reach you and, and see all of the magical stuff you do. Uh, so probably the easiest place to go to is lauratempestzacroff.com. That's Z-A-K-R-O-F-F. 
Um, and that will get you to my shop, my schedule. You can sign up for my newsletter. Uh, and my, I have a link tree, but it's with um, alchemy, which is not always easy for people to <laughs> to find because it's an unusual spelling of alchemy. It's O-W-L-K-E-Y-M-E. Um, and you can find me on Instagram at alchemy.art. So if you, if you look my name up, you'll find me. Yes, you will. Laura, thank you so much. I really appreciate you hanging out with me for the hour, and I'm really looking forward to having you back on before the end of the year so we can talk about visual alchemy. Thank you again. Thank you. It's always a pleasure to chat with you and catch up, and I'm looking forward to it. We got the fall. It's about to turn fall, so that's exciting, too. It is. The hot weather is about to turn down. I'm telling you, it's, it's Hopefully, we'll have a good fall. All right, everybody, remember to get out there and vote in November. It's coming up faster than you think. Yes. Don't let yes. our side down. <laughs> There's a lot at stake. It's a midterm election. Please do the right thing, conscience. But please make sure that if you don't get what you want, you still vote closest to what you believe in. All right, everybody, have a wonderful, wonderful week. And I will see you tomorrow with Star Boost Monte. Have a good one. Bye, everybody.